Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the home stretch, Sterling Holmes, live in studio. Dylan, you're the goat back there, man. Sometimes I gotta give a shout out to my producer because Dylan, we're making it work, pal. We might not be the most technologically advanced folk here, but we still find ways, dude, to get it done. We have great teamwork. And it makes the dream work, some say. Any examples of that? we could use it would be nice yeah we <laughs> we're gonna say we do we'll imply we do um went to concert last night at knuckleheads have you been to knuckleheads by the way dylan yes favorite music venue in kansas city bar none huge fan of knuckleheads uh went and saw jd mcpherson if you've not had a chance to see or know or listen to any jd mcpherson i could not recommend it anymore he has a um christmas album out but it's not christmas as your grandma listened to it's his own songs that he created uh, basically about a kid at christmas and his viewpoint, and there's some other fun songs in there. Uh, one's about the uh, worst gift of all time. What's the worst gift of all time, Dylan? If you had a guess. I can't do that. I can't say what the worst gift of all time as is. As a kid. Because, well, as, I know, but as you're a, just completely throwing someone. I don't really have a worst gift. No, I, no, I you know. You know, as a kid. Socks. Yes, it sucks. Well, you're, okay. Yes. You're eight years old, and you get socks. What are you doing? You're pissed. So he has a whole song about a viewpoint from a kid who's basically, um, who gets socks for Christmas, and it's just awesome. It's hilarious, very good, very well done, extremely musically talented. So J.D. McPherson, they got stand-up bass. Um, their slogan is rock and roll, or proper rock and roll. It's awesome. It's old school, really cool. So if you have a chance to listen to J.D. McPherson, and especially the Christmas album Socks, highly recommend it uh david lesky will join us in the second segment about uh seven or so minutes the royals made a couple of minor moves and by minor i mean minor compared to shohei otani but for the royals pretty darn pretty darn big uh so we'll touch with uh touching that with david lesky in the second segment All right, Mahomes regrets the outburst in the interaction with Josh Allen. I knew this was coming, okay? We all knew, give it a day, Mahomes is going to come out and apologize. He was going after um, the refs post-game, on the field, in his presser. With Josh Allen, for some reason, as they met at 
at uh, midfield. Not a happy guy. I get it, man. I, I, I'm actually always shocked, Dylan. I always say I'm surprised this does not happen more with dudes playing at the highest level so much on the line. They fight all week. They get ready. They play the game. And then a ref makes a call they think goes against them. I'm always shocked you don't see more pressers ripping on the refs. But we've not seen Mahomes have this sort of attitude before. He kept calm after a blatant P.I. that was not called against MVS the week before. Uh, the atrociousness of back-to-back calls um, in general going against and for Kansas City in that Packers-Chiefs game. But this game was obviously the bubbling over point for him. And I don't think it was all about the refs. Like, I get the call, and I understand... I understand just the frustration towards them specifically. But to me, this is a bubbling over point of he's pissed at his team as well, and he's pissed at himself. He's upset at the way this season has gone so far, especially on offense. And it hit ahead. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mahomes went on to say, obviously you don't want to react that way. I mean, I care, man. I love it. I love this game. I love my teammates. I want to go out there and put everything on the line to win, but obviously you can't do that. He also added that more than anything, I regretted the way I acted towards Josh Allen after the game because he had nothing to do with it. I am perplexed that fans are so angry to an extent with the refs because Kadarius Tony was clearly offside. Like for me, if I had to rank my upsetness level, it's Tony and then the refs, right? Like Tony to me bears the brunt of the blame. He was clearly offsides. If you want to say that he checked with the ref, he looked over. <laughs> But you're telling me in that time, if you've seen the clip, Dylan, you've seen the clip, you're telling me in that time he looked over, he was able to discern from the ref, and the ref was able to get in touch with him if he was in line or not. Your line. It was a quick look look over. It was a, I've done this a thousand times from middle school on. He went through the motions. He went through the motions, game on the line, biggest play of the game. What made it worse, again, if that was an incompletion, no one would care. Fact is, flag was thrown right, and I mean right, when the play was snapped. Don't get me wrong, I like ripping on Carl Cheffers as much as the next guy. If you see my Twitter account, I joked that that was the happiest moment of Carl Cheffers' life. Doesn't mean it was the wrong call. It happened. Tony has to be better in that situation. Do you typically get away with it? Yeah. It's been called, what, 12 times this year? And the majority of it is on the tush push? It's never called, or hardly ever called. The point is, it did get called, and there's an easy way to avoid that. Line up correctly. I get being angry, I get being frustrated, I understand where Mahomes is coming from, but when it comes down to it, 
all said and done, you gotta line up right. Kadarius Tony has another mistake that adds to the overarching wide receiver issue. Which, by the way, I love Tony. I think Tony's a really talented player. I think he's the second most talented wide receiver on this team behind Rasheed Rice. He's lost the Chiefs two games this year. Think of that. Against the, was it the Lions? If he would have knocked that ball down instead of having a pop-up into the uh, Demons of Back's arm for a pick six, then this game, if he lines up correctly, the Chiefs win. It's two games. I like Tony, but these mental mistakes cannot continuously happen. All right. We will take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk with David Lesky inside the crown. Talking Royals as the Royals are making moves. Homestretch ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome again to the home stretch. Sterling Holmes joined now by David Lesky from Inside the Crown. Lesky, let's go, baby. Royals, they're going to win the World Series. There's news. The offseason World Series outside of the Dodgers or the all big spending teams like the Yankees, but from the uh, positional battle of pitchers who are aging a little bit, who are still solid. The Royals are doing decent in that run. Hey, they're they're making some moves, and <laughs> um, you know it, it's it's really about raising the floor. Um, I, I I always say I'm, I wrote about this a little bit, but um, probably probably honestly not enough. Um, there are two ways you can really improve your team, and both ways actually end up doing the same thing, um, but. One way is to sign top-end talent and add to the top of your roster and all that. The other way is to push the bottom of the roster off the roster. (laughs) um, I I looked at this. We talked about it probably like in August. There was one point when the Royals had allotted double the plate appearances and double the innings to the Giants, who were an average team in 2023, to players who were sub-zero wins above replacement. Um. There's a, it's a really easy way to go from however many wins to 10 more. <laughs> and, and that's what the Royals are doing here. Um, not to say that Seth Lugo isn't worth more than that. I think he's a, I think he's a, a perfectly average starting pitcher. Um, I think Chris Stratton is a, maybe a slightly above average reliever, but per, probably let's call him perfectly average. I think Will Smith is slightly above average, I think. Uh, Nick Anderson is above average if he's healthy, yeah. but because of his health, he's average. You know, I mean, there, there's they have they, they've changed they've turned the bottom of the roster into the, the middle of the roster is now the bottom of the roster from last year, and the and and that's that's going to help. That that's this is how you take the first step is to fix the bottom of the roster, and they're give give the Royals credit they're doing it. When it comes to Nick Anderson, I'm going to start there first because that was one of the first moves the Royals made. I've always been a massive fan. I understand the injury concerns that come with him, but he was phenomenal for a couple years with Tampa. 
Um, his curveball is absolutely nuts. And again, if you want to look at some of the analytical numbers, they back this up. His fielding independent pitching, which I, I again we're we're getting kind of nerdy here on you. Um, it was two point three five in twenty nineteen uh, when he was with. Uh, oh yeah, overall two point three five in twenty nineteen uh, or twenty twenty was one point three five. Um, again, and then 2021, he was injured. So those small sample size, even just going back to 2020, dude had a .55 ERA. The curve yeah. is absolutely filthy. Can he try and recapture? Again, I'm not seeing he throws up a .55 ERA here in Kansas City, but can he get back to his nasty curveball, great little uh, fastball combination that made him so electric just a couple of years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think he can. It's just it, with him, it's a matter of health. I, I think if he's on the mound, he's he's performing. I, I just, you know, not again, not to the twenty twenty level, like you said. But if, if he's pitching, he's going to help this team. It's just a matter of how how many innings can he give them. They, they want sixty five from him, let's say, um, but you know, <laughs> they might only get thirty five. Um, sure. So I, I think, yeah, I think he can get there. I think he's. He, to me, he's a guy you don't want to be your closer because you're likely going to have to find another closer at some point because he's going to miss time. But he can pitch in the back half of games. He can be a seventh, eighth inning guy. He can get you to that that end of the bullpen. And and you know the Royals blew a lot of games. <laughs> they they lost a lot of games. Not, not, it wasn't actually an inordinate, num- inordinate number, but when you are a bad team, a good way to become, this is another thing, a good way to become a mediocre team is to win the games you're leading. You know, if you take a lead after six, win that game. <laughs> and, and the Royals didn't do enough of that last year. And you look at what they did. They have 56 and, and 106. Um, I, I have no numbers to back this up. I'm just throwing it like against the wall. But I would bet if they had an average bullpen, they win eight to ten more games. And all of a sudden, you look at a 64 to 66 win team a lot differently, yes. I think, because because the 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 step to get to 81 isn't 25; it's 15. 15 is doable. 25 seems impossible. Um, and you know, the, the the reality is what the reality is. They were a 56 win team. There were some metrics that showed they were actually better than that, but they weren't on on paper. So it's what happened happened, um, but they're but Nick Anderson and and and, and Satin and Smith and, and these guys are that that they're how they're how you raise that floor again. Like I said, it's not. I mean, I'm not reinventing the wheel here, but that's that's what that's what you have to do. Uh, again, David Lesky from Inside the Crown is our guest. Let's hit on Chris Stratton. The deal from Mark Feinsand is per a source three point five million for twenty twenty four with a four and a half million dollar player option for twenty twenty five. 3.92 ERA last year, 81 strikeouts in 82 and two-thirds innings for a mixture of St. Louis and Texas. Uh, obviously, he won a World Series with the Rangers. Um, 33 years old, spending eight years so far in the majors. What are your thoughts on on uh, Chris Stratton? Stratton is he's different than, than some of the other guys because his game is fastball. Um, and it's not a hard fastball, but he if you look at run value, which is um, – a good way to to gauge a pitcher's individual pitches. His fastball is one of the best in baseball last season, even though it only averaged, I think, 93, 93.1, something like that. Um, it's a good pitch. His breaking ball is not great. He's going to get strikeouts. Um, not He's not going to lead the league. <laughs> he's not going to be 
um, Felix Batista or anything, but he's or for Emmanuel Classe or whoever. Um, although maybe that's a bad example. Classe strikes out one way down, but he's he's going to strike guys out. He's going to be an acceptable reliever, and for three, and, you're not you're not getting more than that for three and a half million. So, um, kind of sounds like I'm actually talking bad about him right now, but I'm not because you need these guys. The Royals had Colin Snyder pitching the innings that Chris Stratton is now going to pitch. They had. Jackson Coar pitching the innings that Chris Stratton is now going to pitch. It's you, I, I mentioned pushing the pushing the bottom of the roster or middle of the roster down to the bottom of the roster. Signing Chris Stratton and again Anderson, Will Smith, all these guys. They, they all it all kind of works in tandem. Puts Carlos Hernandez back into a low leverage spot, middle relief. How many teams, uh, actually, the answer is a lot of them, actually, what I'm about to say <laughs> as I think about it, um, but how many teams have 99-plus velocity with the wipeout splitter and slider that Hernandez has pitching in middle relief? Yeah, like and, like 18 teams now in, in Major League yeah, Baseball, yeah. It, it, it's more than you like, but the Royals weren't one of those teams, and now they are. Yeah. Now they have that kind of stuff that when Jordan Lyles gets bombed, Carlos Hernandez is coming in on the fourth inning. You're not saving him for an eight to seven lead in the eighth. He is the guy who comes in in the fourth or fifth. That's that's a plus. That's a that's a big improvement for this team, and it's it just it just makes everybody having competent middle relievers makes everybody better. When I'm looking at what Stratton and Max Reaper, shout out to him for, for getting the statistics on this one. Um, opponents hit just 188 against that four-seam fastball you were yeah. talking about, even though it's only 93. Um, and he throws the slider curve change, but the ground ball rate was the highest of his career last year at 45%, um, which is interesting to me because you think of Kaufman, and I think you think of fly ball pitchers typically having the best success there because it's a large stadium. But when you have an infield as talented as Kansas City, whether that's uh, Bobby Witt Jr. and uh, Michael Garcia, um, whatever happens at second base, you know, eventually you're hoping Nick Prado can take over at first base. If not, uh, hopefully Vinny is serviceable there. Yeah, not going to happen, but yeah. (laughs) Don't, don't, I'm just saying. But you have a very talented infield, right, defensively. That does make some sense. It does, and um, you know the the thing about fly ball pitchers in Kauffman Stadium, home runs will go down, but they're going to give up doubles. Yeah. Um, and don't don't tell Jordan Lyles the home runs will go down. He doesn't <laughs> he doesn't even want to know what it would look like if he didn't pitch in Kauffman Stadium. Put um, him but, in Colorado, okay, oh and go back to the juiced ball, and then I mean, all, did, and also get pitch in Colorado with a juiced ball. Yeah, but but but, but hear me out. The, the final ca- caveat. Let the the early two thousands, late nineties steroid era come to play, so you can see allegedly Sammy yeah. Sosa also with an allegedly corked bat take BP, uh, BP off him. That would be very entertaining. Give the guys metal bats, um, but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think you're you're right. The infield defense is a, is a big plus, and that's another reason. And I I reach out. I haven't gotten a, a, an exact response yet, but the Lugo news came, and I, I had a source who was telling me that hey, Stroman the Royals is very real. It's not obviously done, um, but it's it's a very real possibility. He's not sure if that's still a possibility, if it was Stroman or Lugo. You know, sure. $15 million for Seth Lugo is a lot, but um, that's why Marcus Stroman makes so much sense. He keeps the ball on the ground. They've got a good defense. You know, <laughs> it, it adds up. Um, and I don't know. I, I think that it's, it's 
given the makeup of this team, it's a good strategy to get guys who keep the ball on the ground. Um, you know, it's it's a it's 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 a way to win games. You look for any advantage you can. You build your team around the players you have, and I mean, I don't really care if they build around. I think of you know Michael Massey. I like I like Michael Massey. He's good. He's a good defensive second baseman. He's got some pop. I think there's upside in his bat. I'm not building around what Michael Massey brings. I think he's a guy who you're fine with. As, as long as he's hitting six or lower, I think you're fine with Michael Massey. But you're always trying to improve on him. So you're not, you don't care about that. But when you've got a left side of Bobby Witt and Mike, Michael Garcia, yeah, build around that. Mm-hmm. Build to that strength. Because that strength, there could be trades, of course, but that strength is there. And that strength is is what makes up the team identity. And so, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. When it comes to Seth Lugo, as you mentioned, three-year, $45 million, 15 mil per year, that final year is a player option. Again, the, the Royals trying to get some... Uh, obviously, they're trying to entice some players to come to a team that's not competing for a World Series this season. So what do they do? They add the player option. I'm actually a fan of that, of course. Uh, I want the players to do well. But anything you can do to get these players to, again, as you mentioned, make the middle of the roster uh, better to... to make the the bad dudes fall off the back and so now you're you're dealing with these sort of players i am a huge fan of again no salary cap ain't my money i like you guys spending it when it comes to seth lugo he's been back and forth from a, from a starter to a reliever obviously he started a lot of games early on in his career last year he went back to a starter after having a very nice few seasons as a reliever last year 3.57 era um you look at the era plus 115 so he's better than average you look at fielding independent pitching 3.8 Eight, three again, so nothing wonky there. This was a very solid player last year. Again, the one caveat, 26 starts, only 146 innings. What are your expectations for a guy like Seth Lugo? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, and by the way, that I, I did the math. That, it's, it's 17 outs per start. Um, five and two-thirds innings. That's, there's Solid. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I know that you're going to have a lot of people who watch baseball 30 years ago who are screaming right now. How can you say there's nothing wrong with that? It's the way the game is. Yeah, I mean, Lesky, I'm not going to lie. I, I see 146, and I automatically think, yeah, you know, I would yeah. like, I'd like to. And even me, who's 29, is still saying. Well, but you're, you're 29 going on 70. Oh, dude, you you um, you have no idea how old I am. My old takes, they're they're. I'm I'm an old man at heart. You think I don't know your old takes? Come on, let's whatever. But the point is that in, in today's baseball, five and two thirds innings is. I mean, yes, I would love to get a guy who averages seven innings per start. I don't think there was one in 2020. <laughs> so um, maybe, maybe I, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe Cole did or something. But um, yeah, it, it, it's perfectly fine. I, I'm writing this up right now. You're really interrupting my writing. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're um, welcome. My subscribers are mad at you too. Just FYI. But um, and if you're not one, you should become one. But again, yeah, 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 yeah. Plug away right now. Inside the crown, into the crown. Substack. Dot com. Twenty five percent off through uh, January first. I read it every morning when you put an article out whilst I drink my coffee. Okay, if you're not subscribed to Inside the Crown, David Lesky and myself will be very, very disappointed in you. Yes, uh, Sterling will come at you after his morning back treatment. Um, and you know what? I shouldn't joke about that because I do a lot of stretches with my yeah, back. I do, I do have a bad back, too, yeah. You, you, yeah, anyway, that was Wales. <laughs> the, the, there's concern. Lugo is, to me, not a slam dunk. Um, personally, I would say find the next Seth Lugo. Don't find this Seth Lugo because you're over. You're paying for 
what the Padres done last year, which the Royals are in a position, it's whatever. I mean, that's fine. Um, three years and $45 million, and, and the last year being a player option, my, my concern is that option doesn't get exercised unless it's bad for the Royals. Sure. <laughs> like, if, and maybe that's not fair because he'll be 36 years old, so maybe he just says, yeah, I want to do a one-year $15 million deal anyway, so I'll exercise it. Um, but the odds are he is declining that if he's not good enough or if, he's, if he has two good seasons, and he's not declining it if he has two bad seasons or one and the next year is bad or whatever. So there's really only – there's no upside for the Royals in that. Um, if it doesn't impact signings, I don't care because they've shown that they will walk away from the player with Mutt on his deal. So as long as it doesn't impact the signing, which theoretically the 2026 season should be one that they are competing. If it's not, it doesn't, nothing matters anyway because everybody's getting fired. So I, I guess as long as it doesn't impact signings, I, I guess I don't care that much about it. Um, but it's a lot of money for a 34-year-old who has made 20 or more starts once in his career. It was last season. Mm. He has been a reliever and, and yeah there's reliever upside but for 15 million dollars that's a lot of money for a non-elite reliever so um they're they're they're, they're paying the bad team tax here 100 percent, and that third year is the bad team tax as well um my, my concern about lugo actually on the mound his curveball was just an absolute hammer for years it was okay last year it was fine it was not a great pitch um Gave him a 280 average on it, 375 slugging percentage. It was serviceable. It got at the whiff rate on it was like 26. percent It was 30 percent the year before. Um, he sub 200 averages, sub 300 slugs the last couple years on it. It was not that last year. Now, I would say that's from starting. That's from hitters seeing it multiple times. That's from him throwing it differently because he really filled up the zone with it. Um, he got a lot of contact on it because he was throwing more strikes than the edges. Because when you're out there for 15 to 20 pitches, you can waste two or three. But you can't do that every single inning with curveballs if you're starting and you're trying to get through six. And so I think that there was a different way that he was pitching in that last season. And that impacted his best pitch. But he was still successful. And the other thing about it is he has a slider that has the sort of shape that I think can be really good. And he only threw it 9% of the time last year. The Royals, this regime, has had a history of taking pitchers with good curves and adding a slider. James MacArthur, Cole Reagan, they've done it before. Um, I would not be surprised if they work with Seth Lugo to get that slider to be more of an impact pitch, and that will mitigate some of the issues he had with his curve in 2023. Again, can't see the future, don't know if that will happen, but that's where my optimism lies with that pitch for, for Lugo. Ultimately, yeah, I, I'd, I'd much rather they sign. I don't even know who wants to wants to go from from. Uh, well, they, they could have had Shohei Otani for for the next ten years for just three million per year instead of two, right? That's true. Yeah, they could have <laughs> offered him seven hundred five million, um, and only deferred and deferred six hundred seventy five million, and then and then above the Dodgers offer. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, he he makes the Royals' rotation better. Um, 
If you look at it from that lens, it's a good signing. If you look at it in the big picture, it may not end up being a good signing. But, 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 but Lesky, kind of just, just really quickly, I, I get what you're saying, and I'm on the same page. And if this was a salary cap era or a salary cap sure. sort of sort of situation, I'd say, yeah, maybe your money's best spent elsewhere. But when there's no salary cap and when the Royals have uh, – you know, for a few years now, they've they've not had the highest salary in the in Major League Baseball, or even close to where I think you and I would like them to be. I'm not gonna poo-poo a team spending money on guys no. who are at least slightly above average, right? The well, jo- the Jordan Lyles deal, I, I think, if I recall, I know for a fact I didn't like that move because I didn't think Jordan Lyles was good. Now, I didn't like the second year on. That. I was fine. Sign anybody you want for a year, see what you can get. It's great. The sure. Second year is my problem with that. Just like the third-year player option is my problem with the Blue Go deal. Okay. Fair. It's not, and, and again, it, it goes back to, this is me looking at it from all angles. From the Royals' 2024 perspective, he makes the rotation better. And again, if, if, the, sal- if, if the salary commitment doesn't stop them from doing something, even if it's a bad contract, I don't care. They could give them $100 million a year. It wouldn't matter to me as long as it doesn't stop them from something they actually need in a year where they can actually compete. Fair. That's that's my only caveat there. And yeah, I mean if, if if they if that doesn't if that doesn't stop them, I don't care what they spend on anybody. And and the other side of it too, again I, I mentioned Marcus Stroman. Um I've there's rumors about Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty and I'm trying to think others. I don't remember who. If Seth Lugo is your Biggest starting pitcher acquisition. Eh, okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of whatever. But if he's the secondary acquisition, if if they do get Marcus Stroman or Lucas Giolito, or they make a trade for, I don't think that this is going to happen, but Fraxton Garrett or whoever. Okay. Now, now you're cooking a little bit. Now all of a sudden your rotation is Cole Reagan's, this other guy, Lugo, Singer, and Jordan Lyles in the fifth spot, you can kind of live with, hey, we're going to get six innings every, night, every fifth day. Yeah, We might lose this game, but we're going to get six innings every fifth day, and that's, that's useful when the other four are actually producing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't have a huge problem with a bad fifth starter who gives you innings when the other four are actually good. So that, would, that changes everything. And so, you know, every signing – can be evaluated on its own, but also it, it, what else happens with that signing matters too. And we don't, we don't know yet what, what's going to be next. So that, that plays a role as well. And, um, the other thing too, look at the depth of the rotation now. All of a sudden, your depth is, well, Daniel Lynch is probably still your fifth starter right now at this sure. point. Alec Marsh, who has big league starts. Anha Serpa, who has big league starts. Anthony Veneziano, Veneziano, I think, is actually how it said. Um, he was he didn't have done a big league starts, but he was um, really good last year in the minors. Uh, Jonathan Bolin, I'm, I'm missing people. I'm, I'm 100% forgetting. Asa Lacey. Sure, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but all of a sudden, your ninth starter has pitched in the big leagues. And it's not a guy, it's not Eduardo VSC. <laughs> you know, it's not... It's not these guys who you're calling up and you're like, well, good luck, kid. Here's enjoy, enjoy facing big leaguers, enjoy facing Mookie Betts. Like, oh. they had to go get Alec Marsh, who probably wasn't quite ready to face the Dodgers last year. Like, that's, that's tough. 
it's good experience for him. And now he's one of those guys who's okay, well, he's your seventh starter, eighth starter, whatever, and, and has big league starting experience. That's great. Add one more starter. All of a sudden, Daniel Lynch as your sixth starter, I feel good about that. I actually feel good about that. Yeah. And so, again, this, this goes back to the very first thing I said. It pushes the middle of the roster to the bottom and the bottom of the roster off. And that's, that's how you get better. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at this team right now. I mean, there's still moves to be made, 100%. But I'm going, okay, I can see a path to 77 wins. Which, no, that's not your end goal. But after 56, 77 sounds amazing. Yes. Going to the park and knowing that you could see a win is very different than what we dealt with last year for most of the season. David Lesky. I mean, I, oh, sorry. I, the games, I knew they were going to lose. Well, we, we we did that almost every single game. Any game yeah. you went to last year, they knew that we, we were watching a game where if they won, that was the outlier. That was not the norm. Uh, for the first four months of the season, absolutely. And now you've we, with these moves, it gets to the point that you're like, hey, they can win this game. I don't. I'm not going to say I'd, I'd make the bet, but <laughs> they can win that game. <laughs> David Lesky is our guest right here. I want to bring up one more thing before I, I, I want to talk briefly with you about the uh, the draft and the sixth spot and just, just your thoughts overall there. But the last guy that I'm very intrigued about, and this is my Alberto Mondesi of pitchers, I've always been a huge fan of this guy. You're going to laugh at me and call me an idiot, Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright, I love his breaking ball. I, I, I love his 2022. I get that that might be the one year we always look back to and say, well, he had that one year. He'll be 38 years old, and I'm saying, but remember 2022. <laughs> For, forget the wins and losses. He went 21-5, and five, but a 3.19 ERA, 180 innings. He was a 174 strikeout type of guy, very efficient. Um, I, I, I loved watching him pitch. And then he's been injured. He's not going to pitch his upcoming season, if I'm not mistaken there, Lesky. What was your take on this move? Because when I saw that they got anything, and I mean anything, for what was it? Was it Jackson Coar? Yeah, it was Coar. For They got a guy who was in unreal in 2022 for a guy who, quite frankly, with Jackson Coar, it wasn't going to happen here. I am thrilled, and the fact it was Kyle Wright made me even more excited. Talk me off a ledge of why Kyle Wright's not going to be a top-10 Cy Young candidate in 2025. Well, I don't know about top-10 Cy Young, but... I'm I being like a little too optimistic. I get it. <laughs> I would say top-12, probably. Um, but no, I, I like getting somebody who can help a future rotation as well. Because it's there aren't many opportunities to get a guy who has been as good as he was. It was one season, you're right. And he struggled outside of that year before the injury, too. Um, but I, I really like the, the foresight there. Hey, look, we're, we're done with Jackson Cohen. We're going to non-tender him. Well, trade him for a guy who actually could help. Um, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You traded Jackson Cohen. And, yes, you had a 40-man spot being quote-unquote, clogged up throughout the whole winter before you could use the 60-day IL on him. Also, who cares? They have so many guys who can get dumped. I don't, I, I, have they made, I, I, since we've been talking, have they made the, the today's signings official and, and DFA anybody yet? <laughs> have you seen it? Because there's, there's two more guys who are going to go, and I don't think it's going to be any kind of loss. <laughs> like, okay, great, whatever. Um, so I don't really care about that so much. I like the, I like the idea of you go get upside for 2025 and beyond. So I think he's under team control in 26 also, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, I know he's under team control in 26. I, 
he might be 27, too. He might have three more years. I think it's just two more after this season. But um, regardless, it's a good move. It's a really good move. And if it doesn't work, okay, didn't work. Traded Jackson Coar for him. Like, who cares? Do it. You do that every single day. I mean, I, I just mentioned Daniel Lynch as, as good depth. If you could go get, I don't even know who it would be, another guy who's out for 24, but you know he's going to come back in 25 for Lynch, do that too. It's fine. Do it with Singer. I don't care. <laughs> like, like, just get something that Singer's a bad example because he could bounce back and, and get a return. But, um, yeah, it's, I love it. I love that move. I think it's a good move, and it's a good move even if it doesn't work. All right, Lesky, before I let you go, I, I, I got to talk about the uh, the Royals losing the lottery yet again. Um, I, I think you and I differ here at least a little bit. I understand. So we're on the same page with the result. The result sucks. The result yeah. is two scoops of ass. The Royals get the sixth pick, even though they should have been. Uh, they're the best odds to get the top pick, correct? Yeah, I mean, they're the second-worst team, obviously, but top three. The bottom three teams have the top odds for the number one pick. And, uh, well, in uh, Royals fashion, they basically got worst-case scenario here. Yeah, um, would have been better. Yeah, and so they're stuck with six. My thing is, I hate the result, but I don't necessarily disagree with the thought process behind it. I, I, I've I, never had an issue with the lottery in the NBA. I think it's interesting. I don't necessarily have a major issue with the lottery here, which I know makes me at least, uh, I think, in the minority here. Um, but just because the results are bad, because we're witnessing it right now, doesn't mean it's going to be bad forever. It's random. I kind of like it. In my opinion, it should, to an extent... Slow down tanking a little, even if it's not going to completely abolish it. I don't know your overall thoughts before you actually get into pick six here. Well, I have no problem with the lottery. I like what the lottery tries to do. Because I think tanking is a problem. And, I mean, I, I mentioned in the postseason I was rooting against the Orioles because of what they did to their fans. Like, I don't care that it worked. You put your fans through hell. Tanking is bad. So, that's... That's my first point. I think that there are details that need to be adjusted. Like, I think it's ridiculous that the Royals have been the last place team in the AL Central the last two years. And after next year's draft, all four other teams will have picked before them in one of the two drafts. They are the third AL Central team for the second straight year after being the last place team two straight years. I don't have a problem with, with curbing tanking. I have a problem with making it even harder when you're on division because of that. That, that is my number one biggest issue there. Um, I also think that there should be some provision. Like, so the Royals, were the, without a lottery, were the second pick. Um, they fell four spots. I think that the rule is you can only be in the lottery for a team like the Royals two straight two years in a row before you cannot pick in the top six another year, which is why I said the seventh would have been better. Because yeah, it would have been. Would have not started that clock. Um I think if your draft spot falls a certain number, and maybe it's maybe it's three, maybe it's four, maybe it's five, maybe maybe the Royals wouldn't qualify. I don't know, but if you fall from two to six, I feel like that shouldn't start your clock. <laughs> I think that that's, or maybe it's hey, you can't be in the top three, but you can be fourth or sixth in that third year. Um, and there there are some finer point details that don't work, and are and the Royals and the A's. Um, in, in a different way, because they, they fell last year, too, and this year. Um, I think those two teams have been examples of why 
maybe it's not. Maybe there should be some bullet points added. <laughs> so sure. That that's my thought. I think that there is just a little bit. I I, I believe that you should not. I, I don't think that a, a team in your division can finish better than you should ever pick in front. So like, if the Royals were sixth in the lottery, Cleveland can't be one. Cleveland at, at seventy six wins or whatever it was can't be the number one pick. They cannot pick ahead of the Royals. They fall out of the lottery. And does that suck for them? Sure. But it's just part of the rules. I, I just I think that that's a little, or maybe it's one team can pick in front and not multiple. I don't know, but it. I think that that takes away a little bit of the spirit of the draft. Yeah, I, I think falling from you know from one, two, or three to six should not start your clock like that. Yeah, or, or like I said, I, I'm actually okay. I, I hadn't thought about that until I literally just started talking. But if you want to say they can't have a top three pick in that third year, okay, I'm fine with that. But they should still be able to pick fourth or six. Yeah. And again, I know baseball compared to other sports typically, I feel like, has more variance, right? So yeah. in the grand scheme of things, who really knows, right? I, I, do you know? Is there a consensus top pick, top two? Like, for example, when the Royals did have the top two, right? It was Bobby Witt Jr. and Adley Rushman. Right. That was that was obvious. You know, some years it is Bryce Harper. Some year it is... And both teams nailed that, by the way. Yeah, so. correct. They completely did. But other years, it's a complete crapshoot. No one has any idea. Even if it is the right guy, we're sitting here going... Wow, whatever happened to that dude? I mean, you look, you look at the Houston Astros. People always talk about the guys they got right. Look at some of the names they got wrong. I mean, yeah. wow, they were wrong. Um, so I, I think in the grand scheme of things, especially in baseball, I think we're all mad right now. And again, I'm not saying I'm not mad right now, but also I'm sitting here going, all right, the Royals still have a, a six overall draft pick in a sport where I, I think it's very but, easy for, for teams to screw it up. I, I think let me, let me, let me okay. real quick. The other thing. By falling from two, let's let's call it two, to six, they lose about three million dollars in draft pool money. Also, which impacts how they can pick in later rounds. Yeah, that because sucks. they don't have as much money, and I, I think that there's an issue there too. Well, um, wait, let's get so, you know, really, really quickly there with that one. That, that, that's a little confusing because don't they still pick second overall from rounds they, two on? Correct. They do, but your draft pool money is based on the slot for that particular pick. So last year, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but let's say pick one was $10 million, pick two was $9 million, pick six was $6 million. Um, wait, did I do that right? Eight, seven, $5 million. Um, it's not how it goes. It doesn't go $1 million per pick. But sure. So your draft pool money starts off with $5 million to $9 million, And then pick 122 versus pick 126, the difference there is like $28,000. So it doesn't actually change that much. Um, in the later rounds, the big, the big jumps are in the top ten in the first round, and so when you fall from two to six, you lose all that potential draft pool money because you go from that pick, that pick's pool to the sixth pick, and then everything else is two. But it's like the second pick, the sec- it's like two point one million in the second round, mm. and then the third round is like one point seven million. So the, the numbers don't actually, it, they don't fall proportionally with each pick. Sure, I'm just. That that that's probably the biggest bummer right there is the start yeah. starting your clock and then and then the uh, the pool money because that right yeah. there is not ideal. But Lesky, I'm sorry, I will let you get back to your writing. I appreciate it. Everyone listening, go to inside the crown, into the crown David Lesky, if you if you like Royals baseball or let's say you hate the Royals but still want to learn more about them. Make sure you follow Lesky. You can also follow him on Twitter, or should I say the X, at DB Lesky. 
Lesky, always a pleasure. It is. Thanks, Sterling. Good talking. Uh, we'll take a quick break. Come back. More home stretch after this. Come on now. I'm a drummer. You tell me I'm not going to do the, the whole hit the crash while you, you got you to hold it, too, you know? Killing the echo and reverberate now, Dylan. Love Metallica. You big Metallica guy? You like my Blink-182 shirt on right now? That's, well, this is old school. That's from sophomore year in high school, pal. You better believe that. Like your Iowa Hawkeyes shirt. I, you love teams that play great defense and are very out there. And sound on special teams, yeah. Very sound. You're like, oh, you're not an offensive football guy. You bleep and hate offense. If we're up to you, a 3-0 ball game, that's what you want to watch. That that Chargers-Patriots game that was 3 nothing. Oh, the man. the Raiders-Vikings, when everyone else was saying, what the bleep is this? I subscribed to Sunday Ticket just to put that game on. You're sitting there like a psycho, just just mainlining PBR and Milwaukee's best in. Yeah, baby. I am those. Well, I I wasn't able to attend because I had another obligation, but I would have been with those two gentlemen that had the T-shirts of the Nebraska-Iowa game that just said uh, punts on it. Do you see that? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. So that was I need killer. to get one of those shirts. You do need a, a punts-only shirt. Quick kick. Get a quick kick shirt. Third down, quick kick. Not an out kick. Probably not. One of those, but I'll get it. I'll get a, a quick kick. Yeah. Quick kick. Quick kick. Come on. You heard me, pal. By the way, the Bills are going to make the playoffs, aren't they? They're going to do it, and I'm um, not happy about it because uh, I think they're actually a pretty good team that got really unlucky in the win loss column, and they got a little luckier. Because Justin Herbert's now out for the year, which, by the way, the Chargers are a dumpster fire. The Staley's gone. Herbert's out for the year. That team's ancient. They're built so poorly. That thing's going to be a real fun to watch just blow up. But the Bills now play Dallas. Tough game. But they're at home. They're favored. Then they play at the Chargers, who the Chargers already have no fans, and now they have no quarterback. They play against New England. Yeah, okay, New England beat them once, and they, they won last week. Bills are waxing the Pats. And then at Miami. That game against Miami, more than likely, as Miami has a decent stretch to, their, to the final four games against the Jets, Dallas, at Baltimore, and then against Buffalo. Hear me out here, Dylan. Bills might win the division. If the Bills go 4-0, if the Bills win these three games, let's just say the, the Dolphins lose to, to the Ravens, the Bills beat Miami in Week 18, pretty sure they win the AFC East. They are giving the vibes of the 2010 Packers or the 2005 Steelers uh, wild card champions. Like everything, it's almost reverse where 
every season where everyone crowns the Bills, almost like we've been expecting for the Chargers yep. this year, but it, it just doesn't work because Chargers always charger. It doesn't matter what yeah. you say before or after the season. But the Bills right now feel like everyone wrote them off. and But they ain't right back. Right, and they're going <laughs> to go and win their first Super Bowl. Dude, it's wild, man. I, they because may- versus every other year, they're hyped up, hyped, hyped yep. up. Everything's going well until now. Josh Allen can be a turnover machine. I get it. They fired their OC. But you look at a lot of their underlying analytical numbers, they're good. Again, I, their defense, I think, has a lot of issues, and that's the main um, main issue for them. Matt Milano's been injured, obviously. He's their best linebacker. Tredavious uh, White's not been good, and he's been injured. You know, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they're old. But, dude... The way they're playing offensively, something's starting to click. When they get James Cook involved out of the backfield, especially as a pass catcher, things are clicking. That's a team you do not like. You tell me right now, you'd rather play the eight and five Browns over the seven and six Bills? Not a chance. Well, who's quarterback in the Browns? Is it Flacco? Flacco. That might not be a good example. Those two teams might be the AFC Championship. <sighs> it's a joke, slightly. Point is, the AFC it's starting to get a little tight. Nobody wants it. Steelers seven and six. Bengals seven and six. Colts seven and six. Texans seven and six. Broncos seven and six. Who wants it? Dylan, who wants it? Chiefs won it, baby. Man, come on. Chiefs won. Right there for us after everything that's gone wrong. This is the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City. We'll be back live in studio tomorrow. Dylan, this was fun. I missed you, pal. Missed you too. I missed you. Until then. We are out.